Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage, the podcast about lesser-known New Hampshire legal debates that still might impact you. There are over 900 bills in the 2023 legislative session, so there's always a lot happening behind the headlines. I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count. And I'm Mike Dunbar, Content Editor for Citizens Count. Today we have yet another bill that might sound boring, then takes a sharp turn into unexpected territory. We're talking about whether the state should license massage establishments. I started to get curious about this issue last year because it kept on coming up in the legislature year after year. I think this is the fourth year of debate. Yeah, business licensing is always a hot topic for libertarians and other free market advocates. Actually, don't massage therapists already need a license to work in New Hampshire anyway? Correct. Each individual massage therapist needs to complete education, take a test, pay a fee, CPR certification, stuff like that. However, there is no specific license for massage establishments that employ multiple massage therapists. This is different than nail salons and barbershops, for example, which need their own licenses to operate. SB 212, a bill currently in the New Hampshire Senate, would require a license to operate an establishment where massage therapy services are offered by more than one person. There is an exception here for sole proprietors without employees. The Office of Professional Licensure and Certification, called the OPLC for short, is in favor of SB 212. At the public hearing, they said it was difficult to investigate whether everyone offering a massage is licensed within a larger business. They have to wait for a complaint to investigate, and even then, a massage establishment can throw up roadblocks. The OPLC has little power to shut them down. An OPLC representative at the public hearing said they get several complaints a year about painful or inappropriate experiences at massage establishments, so they want the power to proactively inspect these places and then shut them down for violations. SB 212 would do just that. Now, there was a similar bill to this recently in the New Hampshire House, right? What happened there? Correct. HB 341 was the House side, kind of similar bill, similar concept. The OPLC also testified there about the difficulty of investigating complaints. But most of the public hearing focused on a different issue, human trafficking through massage parlors. Uh, There's the sharp turn we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so get your nightlight ready because it's about to get dark. At the public hearing for HB 341, members of law enforcement and representatives of the New Hampshire Coalition Against Domestic and Sexual Violence testified about a troubling pattern of quote-unquote illicit massage businesses in New Hampshire. And that illicit massage business is actually a term that's used by people who study human trafficking. So at these establishments, immigrant women who speak little or no English are controlled or coerced by their employers to offer sexual services alongside massage. So these women may owe large debts to their employers. They may not control their own finances, may not have a passport, may be told they will be arrested or persecuted if they leave the massage parlor. And I was surprised to hear how many of these places are suspected of operating in New Hampshire, as in potentially 30 to 40 And an official from the town of Derry testified about six massage businesses in town they know about with questionable situations for employees. So the fire department has responded to alarms, for example, and found employees living on the property, which is not allowed. So they can shut down a business for that. But then the business opens up again a week later under, quote unquote, new ownership. Okay, that all sounds clearly illegal. So why are we talking about licensing these places? Why aren't the police just making arrests? It's very difficult to get victims to cooperate in these cases because they're afraid, isolated, and reliant on these business owners. So that in turn makes it very difficult to prove human trafficking is taking place. 
the law enforcement testifying in the House hearing said, sure, we might be able to prosecute some of these people for prostitution, but that would end up treating the victims like criminals instead of helping them get to freedom. Plus, a misdemeanor prostitution charge isn't much of a deterrent to the real bad guys. So their message was, we need to look outside the criminal justice system to combat human trafficking and licenses are a new tool. Okay, but once again, how would a license stop a criminal enterprise? Okay, therein lies a big part of the debate. But first, I'll share how law enforcement and victim advocates answered that question. They said licensing massage establishments at the state level could make it more difficult to operate one of these businesses because you'd have to be more transparent about your operations. State licenses would also provide more of a paper trail for law enforcement to follow. And lastly, a licensing process might help victim advocates identify and contact potential victims of human trafficking. Okay, but if I'm running an illicit massage parlor, I'm already breaking the law. Why would I even bother to get a state license? I could probably come up with some other cover business that doesn't get inspected. That was one of the concern of House legislators. Others worried this bill could put OPLC inspectors in potentially unsafe situations. And of course, this is all taking place when Governor Sununu is pushing to streamline the OPLC and ease licensing requirements across occupations. When you take out the human traffic piece... That's exactly what this debate boils down to. When do business regulations become an undue burden on small businesses? For the House of Representatives, licensing massage establishments is a step too far. They voted to kill the bill on Valentine's Day this year. The vote was fairly close, 184 to 171, but since Republicans have such a narrow majority in the House this year, almost every vote is that close. We started this podcast talking about a Senate bill, though, SB 212. Where's that bill at? The Senate has yet to vote on SB 212, and that public hearing, interestingly, didn't talk about human trafficking. So the debate over licensing massage establishments continues. That bill will come up before the Senate, and if they pass it, it'll go back over to the House. So if you have an opinion on SB 212 and massage business licensing, reach out to your elected officials. You can find who represents you by going to citizenscount.org and clicking elected officials in the navigation bar. And if you're not sure what to say, check out our tutorial on how to contact your legislators. Visit citizenscount.org slash how dash two, and you can find tutorials on how to contact an official, how to speak at a bill hearing, how to write a letter to the editor, and more. That's citizenscount.org slash how dash two. Or just go to our website and click on Advocacy Toolkit in the navigation bar. Or that. All right, it's time for our closing segment, Only in New Hampshire. Anna, what trivia do you have for us today? Since I learned about human trafficking in New Hampshire this week, I wanted to look for some other lesser-known criminal story in New Hampshire. And somehow I ended up at a story, uh, have you heard of the Devil Monkey of Danville? Oh my, no. Okay, so back in August 2001, the Danville, New Hampshire fire chief was driving on Kingston Road when a monkey bounded in front of his truck. Obviously, monkeys are not native to New Hampshire, so he went straight to the library, which I love, love libraries, <laughs> family of librarians, went straight to the library to figure out what the heck he had just seen. And after hours of looking through animal books, he settled on a picture of a Brazilian Humboldt's woolly monkey, which definitely not legal to have as a pet. So maybe he saw, was seeing things, but no, he was not the only one in town who reported an encounter. Many people heard screeches from the woods at night. One mom realized her six-year-old friend was not imaginary when someone was definitely eating the cookies he was taking. And the town animal control officer was trying to catch the monkey by stringing up oranges and bananas and trees. They called in a guy from Massachusetts who showed up with a female monkey urine thing and remote control Skynet, like it flies with drones. And then other people in town started like recreational 
National Monkey Stakeouts near the woods in lawn chairs. So the sad thing is, there's no conclusion I could find to the monkey story. They were going to have an NBC crew come in and do interviews with everyone in town. And this was right before September 11th. So the story just kind of evaporated because everyone was like, wow, there's more important things than random monkeys. So I can only assume the monkey was recaptured by whoever brought it to New Hampshire or more dark possibility, it might have died from the elements when it got cold. Shout out to Laura Bricker, who wrote a new story I found on Seacoast Online that provided most of the details I got here. Or maybe he's still out there. A devil monkey of Danville could still be out there. And I will point out, Mike, because we have an article on our website that's about which exotic animals are allowed as pets in New Hampshire and which aren't. Fun fact, zebra, totally legal. Not a problem. Right. Tiger, problem. Can't do it. And that is consistently one of our most popular articles on our website. And we will get at least one person a month sending us an email being like, so I have a monkey. Can I have a monkey? And I don't know what to do with these people. So you're correct, Mike. Devil Monkey of Danville could still be out there. Wow. I mean, this sounds like the follow-up to Cocaine Bear is what I'm seeing. (laughs) Except I I think New Hampshire, it wouldn't be Cocaine Bear. It'd probably be something much more depressing, like heroin monkey, which just, it's its dark, Mike. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> we, we're trying to get away from the darkness, Mike, and it's dark again. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's wrap up this episode of $100 Plus Mileage, but you can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd like to thank the Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Grand State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music is composed by Mike Dunbar. That's me. Lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part of what makes New Hampshire by the people for the people. I'm Anna Brown. Hmm? Jump the gun. Sorry. You were just really excited to introduce yourself. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. (laughs) Oh my God. That's never happened. All right. 